download is complete. Welcome to the AV Forums podcast, presented by Phil Hinton. Hello and welcome to the Home Cinema Podcast for April. We come to you from the Gadget Show Live. And joining me on the Home Cinema Podcast today is Steve Withers, Mark Hodgson and Russell Williams. We are all uh, exhausted at the moment. Well, Mark's got an excuse. He's only been here one day, but the rest of us have been here most of the week. Uh, at the Gadget Show, we've had our own stand. We've been showing our own demo uh, with thanks to Sim2 and Anthem AV for that. And... Uh, Let's go to sound first for a change, Russell, and uh, quite an interesting and uh, reference level sound in that room. Uh, well, it's more weapons grade than reference level, isn't it? I mean, uh, you could really could fill a room four times the size of the, of the one we've got there, which will comfortably seat 15 people. Um, we've got one kilowatt monoblocks per each of the seven channels, and then three 4,500 watt 15 inch subwoofers. Frankly, I'm in heaven. Uh, it's uh, it's it's a uh, it goes up to and beyond even my expectations of bass. So moving on to the video, Stephen, uh, reference quality again because we reviewed it and you give it a reference status badge and that's the Loomis 3DS projector. That's right, Phil. It definitely is a reference projector. I mean, I was lucky enough to have it in, in my home cinema at home last June um, and I delivered it on my birthday. Definitely a great birthday present. Um, it was a stonking performance from that projector, both in 2D and 3D, particularly in 3D. It has uh, bags of brightness to spare. It uses triple flash. There's absolutely no crosstalk or flicker. It's an incredibly comfortable viewing experience. And, and seeing it in that setup we've got here today, um, you know, it just delivers the, some, quite literally some the best 3D I've ever seen. And I mean, we tell people that when they've been queuing up for demo, it really is that good. And um, it delivered in every aspect. It's fantastic. Mark, uh, it's your first day at the show, you're only here for the one day. Uh, your first chance to see the Loomis projector, what did you think in terms of 3D? Yeah, um, I, as some readers will know, I'm not a great fan of the uh, active shutter 3D system. It does give me a bit of a headache and I can perceive flicker, but as Steve said, the triple flash really does sort that out. Um, and it's the quality of the motion and the brightness of the colours is beautiful. And as Russell alluded to, the sound is stunning. It, even me as a complete non-3D convert, I still think it doesn't add a lot to some films. But I mean, I've been. How many times have I snuck in there to go and have a look at that? I might even like penguins by the end of this. It's, it's absolutely stunning. It just—it's so easy on the eye, so natural to look at. You don't get any sense of that sort of like trying to focus on the end of your own nose. It's just clear, flicker-free, absolutely seamless. It's—it's it's like looking at a box out of it, a box out in the back wall, isn't it? It's. It really, it really is something else. I, I could even be converted. Now all I need is the loan. Yeah, yeah I'd just like to point out that Russell's comments to Penguins weren't anything unsavoury. We were actually using Happy Feet 2 in 3D as a demo along with uh, Tintin. And I have to say that the sequence in Tintin we were using, uh, maybe the whole film's a, a bit too much sometimes, but that sequence where he's escaping from a vill uh, village, a Moroccan village, absolutely amazing 3D. Now one of the reasons we are here is, is that it's a different audience at the Gadget Show Live. Um, from the enthusiast audience that the AV Forums is known for. Um, what kind of comments and, and how would you rate the, the audience that's here in terms of questions that they asked Russell? Well, it, well it's quite interesting because it, it's gone from, you know, when we normally do the hi-fi shows, everybody's pretty much there for the same reason and know what they're already talking about. Here, we've been taking people, particularly into this reference, reference class demo, with literally no idea about what they're about to see. They think they've been to a cinema, they've seen it as good as they can get. So. The questions are varied from the sort of like the semi-informed people who are here because they like it already to people who just you know don't know the first thing to ask. They're just ready to be stunned. Funnily enough, they're the people often not enough who are probably the ones who come out of the demo most stunned because they went in with no expectations or preconceptions whatsoever. So it's been interesting. People are here for a number of different reasons, and most of them aren't AV. So it's been nice to get them in there and show them what it really can do. It's opened it up to a new audience. Well, you say it's a new audience, but I have to say I've met an awful lot of forum members over the last five days. So I mean, plenty of uh, forum members are, are, are here at the Gadget Show. So, uh, so yes, we obviously cater towards an enthusiast market at the moment and we're looking to broaden the appeal. But uh, yeah, a lot of forum members are here and, and they were very pleased to see us having a stand at the Gadget Show. Um, you know, um, and, they, and they asked quite a lot of questions about their own systems. Um, yeah, they appreciated the, the kind of information that the forums gives them, the fact that it's all for free. And they enjoyed the demo and that's great to see as well. Yeah, the um, thing I've noticed, I'd say I've only been here one day, the uh, majority of questions I've been fielding are on the uh, streaming side and smart TV type of functions, which is not something we really get so much on the forums, more of a, 
uh, less of an enthusiast level of questions, but interesting nonetheless. Uh, and yeah, it's a different audience, as you say, but it's good to open their eyes to, to see what home cinema can do. No, it's it, it's definitely not an AV show, the gadget show. Um, quite a quite a wide range of products come under the terminology of gadget, and myself and Steve went for a wander around the show this morning to have a look and. Uh, uh, some interesting stuff out there to have a look at. Yeah, you're right, Phil. Obviously, the word gadget has got a wide definition, and uh, we saw stuff from the classic things you'd expect to see: TVs, projectors, amps, that kind of stuff, phones, of course. But then we saw uh, a, lot, a lot of um, remote-control vehicles. Quite a few of those helicopters, cars. Uh, there was uh, I saw some secateurs actually, some French-designed uh, for trimming trimming uh, branches. I, I, I suppose that's a gadget as well. But, well, uh, I'm glad you said branches and not bush. <laughs> No, no, Phil. You're just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the personal jet, just two, uh, two stands down from us. What was it called? The, what was it? The parajet. You strap a jet engine to your, to your back and then Kill yourself. see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> what can possibly go wrong? I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't mind trying it. I mean, I, I mean, like all of us, I suspect, you know, we all like a good gadget when we get our hands on one. And uh, I have seen some quite interesting stuff. My favourite's got to be the... Uh, the gun where you put your iPhone into it, a load of free app, gun's about 15 quid, and then you, the, the, app, the iPhone becomes a viewfinder, and you're shooting away with this plastic gun. That looked like quite good fun. I might buy one of those before I leave. I, I suspect that would be popular in America. Uh, yeah, as I said, it's a free app, and there's lots of interesting variations. Um, uh, yeah, I think it looks like quite good. There are some incredibly um, inventive apps for the, for these smartphones these days. They're just absolutely amazing. There's some really creative people out there. But that is, the, that is one of the big themes running through the, phone, the, the show, isn't it? How much of this stuff is actually tied into the iPhone one way or another. The, the, the remote control helicopter where you, you um, basically it's got a little camera in the nose. You, you download an app to your phone. The phone then Bluetooths to the helicopter. So you then use your phone by tilting the motion in your hand to fly the helicopter around, but the helicopter streams back to the phone a picture of what the helicopter's seeing as it flies around. What and because of the you get a call? <laughs> the helicopter crashes. Oh, <laughs> you had to ruin the party, didn't you? <laughs> but, it, but the curious thing is, as somebody used to race remote control cars, or anybody ever has, when they're going away from you and you steer right, the car steers right. When you're going away from you, you steer left, the car steers left. But, with, but when they come back towards you, left hand and right hand is now reversed but with the helicopter because it's got the GPS device in it and it knows which way it's facing relative to where you are if you tilt it to your left it turns to your left it's right if it's heading towards you which is just a fantastically simple piece of intuitive software in a way um, absolutely no use whatsoever but I want one maybe maybe spying Neighbours or something. I suspect that you know you can spend two hundred pounds on it and give it to your child. I suspect that the spying technology has already moved on to something that would fit <laughs> up your nose and do the same sort of thing. So yeah, but it's a uh, there is the iPhone app. Some of the stuff that's running around here, there are there are some creatively clever people that are making money around here. Yeah, it's, it seems the the iPhone and the iPad's taken over the world, Russell. Well, I think we already knew that, didn't we? I mean, it's, it's, it's such a cohesive platform uh, and, and so well organised compared to the free-for-all that is sort of Android and, and the Windows phone, phones, perhaps. I think it's just... And the, the fact is, I don't care what anybody says, you put an iPhone in your hand, it feels special. People immediately want to own it. And I think that alone is what, is what elevated that to that position. I don't know if anybody would disagree with that. No, you're absolutely right, Russell. You cannot fault Apple for their marketing on design. When the iPad came out, I remember thinking they're having a laugh. I mean, that's never going to catch on. So why not? There you go. Well, it didn't win. It didn't win. Windows tried it a few years earlier, did it? No. Everybody thought, well, where, where, where's the keyboard? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is <laughs> precisely the problem that did not plague the iPad, isn't it? We've yeah. been using iPad threes on the stand actually for both yep. signing on new members and also uh, for information. Uh, and uh, having spent some time with it now, I'm getting quite attached to it. I don't want to give it back. Just the right um, mixture of size and convenience. I think they're, they're not too small that they're unusable, and they're just just the right size, just the handle. I think that, I think that's where they've they've hit the nail on the head. Whereas a smartphone is just that little bit small for serious use. And a computer obviously you can't carry around with you so easily. So yeah, I was a skeptic, tablet skeptic, but now I want one too. Does, does this mean we've all revised our, uh, our assertion from the last Home Cinema podcast when Phil asked, will you be buying iPad 3? And we all said, no. Yes, basically I've cha completely changed my tune. <laughs> well actually... Let's hope Apple are listening. Well, actually, after the last podcast, I got an iPad 2, so there you go. I did. Oh, you did? Well, yeah, you got it because, the iPad, because they were now cheaper because of iPad 3. Yep. Very canny. There's the Scotsman amongst us. <laughs> <laughs> 
So other things on, on the show floor, you mentioned the helicopters and the remote control cars and so on. There was also quite a few uh, interesting things like the death slide for the kids and there was like a, it was like a, claim, a, a climbing frame <laughs> which uh, they were using harnesses and they were, they were a good 30 feet up. The kids had no fear climbing up these things with the harnesses on and so on. It was, I was, I think, I think was they like a climbing wall with a centrifugal clutch brake. So when you fall off, you just go. No, no, uh, I, the, I no. Think just hardwired to a. Cable just hardwired to a cable, but they were thirty feet up and climbing across chains and uh, right. bridges and all that kind of thing. I, I mean, you wouldn't have got me up there. If I had my way, I'd taken the cables off and put crocodiles below well, the kids. I, I, I can see the appeal in that. Having been to Bewilderwood in Norfolk, where you walk around on, on planks up in the trees and whatnot. I mean, my three-year-old was around that like a ferret up a drainpipe, you know. So yeah, I mean, I haven't actually seen it myself. What with having been chained to the stand for the last three days, but I imagine it's quite good, quite good fun. Well, I think it just goes to show the gadget shows the day out for the family, isn't it? Really, that's that's, that's half the appeal. You bring the kids along, they have a, a laugh. They, there's a LG have got a Formula One racing car with. Um, a simulator in it um, that looked that looked as difficult as it I think probably driving a 41 car is actually it's a lot of people crashing <laughs> none of us are uh, real gamers sat at this table really um, but a huge gaming area of the show and uh, some interesting sections of that with simulators and and, and all sorts and then Steve uh, we went along to have a look at the uh, gadget show live uh, super theater which was a, an hour and a half program of uh, Different acts as well as the four presenters from the the TV program. Gotta say, I'm not I'm not a big fan of the TV program um, because it's pitched just a little bit too low in, in terms of dumbing down what goes on. But there are personalities on there, and I'm thinking Pollyanna. Yeah, she's an attractive young lady. I'm uh, thinking of Pollyanna too. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be honest here. I've never seen the gadget show on TV. Um, right. It's never appealed to me, and I don't like Channel Five. Uh, but I did actually enjoy the show, to be honest. Um, uh, they, they had some quite interesting things on the show. They had a French guy who manipulated lasers that, that were quite cool. Um, there was a flying bird, a robotic bird that flew around the auditorium. That's a winged bird. Yes, uh, well, there were quite a few of the un unwinged version too, to be fairly honest. Uh, <laughs> He's so one track, isn't he? He's just so one track. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, yes, it was, uh, it was, it was a great, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And Jason Bradbury, who used to do our podcasts back in the past, he was there make, making a fool of himself as always. Yeah, he does that with uh, great aplomb. And, uh, okay, so we're, uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the stuff we've been reviewing this month. You're listening, you're listening, you're listening. to the AV Forums Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast live from the Gadget Show Live. And uh, we're going to go through some of the products which we've been looking at over the last month. So uh, let's go to Steve first. So Steve, the Panasonic GT50 3D Plasma that you've reviewed followed fast on the heels of the, the VT50 review that Mark did. So um, how did it stack up? What did you think? Well, uh, obviously, yeah, you just say Mark reviewed the VT50. I haven't actually seen the VT50 properly, only it shows. But the GT50 delivered the goods in spades. And based upon Mark's review, it looks like its performance in terms of video at least. Is, is basically the same. It has all the same specs. The only slight difference as I'm aware of is the, um, the Pro Black filter, which is slightly better on the VT50, so you may have slightly better blacks, better, better ambient light projection possibly. But I mean, overall, I mean, the calibration controls were excellent. The, uh, you could get the completely reference performance out of it. Uh, motion handling was great. Um, you know, color un the uniformity of the screen, at least the one I had, was, was spot on. There was no uh, green tinges or blobs or anything like that. Um, just a really, really nice, um, amazing blacks too. Really amazing. I mean, for the first, you know, this year, I think personally, Panasonic have delivered in terms of black levels and performance. And I, I thought it was a fantastic TV. And to be honest, I also reviewed the ST50. I think you're going to find it hard to find the 50-inch GT50, but obviously the 42-inch will be freely available because there is no 42-inch VT50. Um, the ST though, the ST50, um, absolutely spectacular value for money. I think in terms of both performance and price. And then you've got a range of sizes going from, I think, 42 inches to 65 inches. Um, it's a very attractive looking TV. The, it has calibration controls now, which it didn't have last year. Um, and it delivered, again, the black levels, absolutely brilliant. I'd say, you know, probably up there with the VT30 from last year. So a great performance all round from Panasonic as far as the GT and the ST go. And Mark, over to you on the VT, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, I can only echo what you said about the GT, really. In all facets of performance, it was just an absolute stunner. Um, really, really deep light levels. I, I must have spent 
Oh, how many hours watching films non-stop? I was up till five in the morning for constantly for a week just because I wanted to, just because I was so enjoying the video on display. And then when you marry it with the the updated features from Panasonic, this all a little bit slicker, all the new web browsers, the dual core processing really helps. The streaming side they've got they've really got sorted this year, and then adding the the excellent reference 3D, and it's it's just the complete package. And uh, you know it's, it's hard to see how they'll improve on it. From here, still some slight niggles with 50 hertz material. If you go, if you're really looking for it closely, but I noticed uh, the forum members who have got GTs and STs aren't really seeing it at all. So it's probably just because we're looking out for it that we spot it. Um, yeah, it, it, an absolute stunner. And it was a sad day when I had to give that one back. Yeah, I mean, I gave the uh, ST50 and GT50 both highly recommended, and Mark, you gave the VT50. Yeah, I think I think I think the last the last time we gave a consumer telly uh, a reference was four years ago, three and a half, four years ago. Uh, probably don't have to say which one it was, but it was made by Pioneer. Uh, and I think well, times have moved on, um, and the Pioneer just can't do all the things the VT, well, the new Panasonic's and new telly full stop can do. And uh, when you marry those all up, I think it is the new reference. Of course, I've only just um, just got hold of a GT and the. 50 and 42 inch size and I've had it up for a couple of days and I can't tell a lot of difference between that and the um, and the 50 VT that I had so that might be heading the same way as the, as the reference for 42 inch televisions but of course uh, you'll have to keep your eyes on the reviews page for that one. Well I think that's, that's probably one of the reasons why the GT is only available in two screen sizes this year because it was last year it was performing so well that they were taking sales away from the VT and, and as you say um, Mark I, I the GT looked absolutely spectacular. Um, probably the only reason why I didn't get a reference was just because of the, the different filter. I mean, something has to be the reference. Yeah. Uh, you can't, not everything can be a reference. Um, the VT is a reference, but the GT is a stonky performance um, you know, for the money. They're going to take some beating Panasonic this year, they really are. Uh, but uh, we hear Samsung have stepped up the game on the plasma and the plasma range and improved their black levels, so we can't wait to get our hands on one of those. That's the uh, E8000 and E6500, I believe. They should be pretty spectacular televisions. Uh, lots more to cover yet, but uh, the Panasonic's uh, really are an excellent choice to get once again this year. And of course, it's not just plasma that, that you've been looking at from Panasonic, uh, no. Mark. You've also had a look at the the LED LCD DT50. Yeah. Uh, what did you find there? Yeah, it was it's a good. I mean, it's a very nice television. A few uniformity problems. We get that with LED, um, but uh, very accurate colours. Uh, lovely bright image and the 3D is stunning and to be honest I have to say I prefer it to the plasma version I find it less flickery um, that's probably a personal thing but it's as smooth as butter the Panasonic really have nailed the 3D um, uh, video processing is excellent with the DT um, styling very 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 nice indeed um, black levels aren't all that but the filter is incredible so if you've got the lights up and any of a couple of lamps on in the room the black levels still look good it's only when you really go really di uh, low light that you'd notice that the blacks weren't you know plasma black uh, uh, yeah the, the filter is stunning so in most living rooms it would make a fine choice perhaps a little bit expensive but yeah you pay for quality and and it, it certainly doesn't suffer with some of the some of the banding issues and dirty screen effect we see with well others so who remain nameless for the time being uh, yeah a, a, an, an excellent set yeah and a, a, much the same feature all the same features uh, as packed into the into the plasmas uh, then new uh, smart connect a smart very error connect uh, platform that's got loads of content on there now um, yeah they're gonna take some beating too perhaps a quick mention without sounding Panasonic heavy uh, you okay. also had the ET5, which uh, yeah, they've ET. gone passive. Yeah, they've gone passive, and um, to great effect. So the, the video processing chip is exactly the same as found in the DT50. So it's say all the same strengths, um, very similar black levels. And if you prefer passive 3D over active 3D, it's considerably cheaper and an excellent value. We've got it up on the stand at the moment, actually. It's holding up pretty well in here. Um, motion clarity is reasonable. Perhaps, perhaps the DT50 pips it there, but um, yeah, I think a, a really good set from Panasonic for the first passive entrant. Well, that's TV-wise what we've been looking at. Um, you've also got a pile of TVs in your living room at the moment, Mark. Yeah. Uh, you can't really afford to be down here. You really should be working on your reviews. But um, just give us a brief taste of what's coming up in the next month from you. Right. Well, we've got uh, Toshiba 55 YL86. 
three, which is written, but Steve, I don't know what Steve's been doing this week, but he's not proofed it yet. Uh, following that, uh, we've got uh, LG's second tier LED 3D TV, which is the LM860V, um, which I'm just in the process of writing now. Following that, we're back onto Panasonic again, and the active equivalent of the ET5, which is the ET50. And then I've got another Panasonic, which is the flagship LED today, which is the WT50, which went up on the stand a couple of days ago. And then another Panasonic, which is the <laughs> GT50 42-inch version. And after that, I'm going to have a couple of days off. Yeah. You're running out of things to say about <laughs> yeah, Panasonic, aren't you? Things to say about television. Yeah, a lot of cutting and pasting there, isn't there? How dare is that? <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. When it gets to this time of the year, I mean, Panasonic are usually the first out of the blocks, and, and of course, with AV forums, they just pile all the TVs in the door, and before you know it, it looks like a Panasonic review site, which we don't mean to do, it's just that everything turns up at the same time. I think it's worth remembering that the uh, March review of the VT50 was a world exclusive. So, it you know. was never a world exclusive, was it, Steve? <laughs> yeah, in, and in the world. Just in so, the world? Just so, like, uh, uh, universal. <laughs> universal. Yeah, in the yeah. universe. In this galaxy, at the very least. <laughs> Could be a parallel universe. Uh, yeah, I can't speak for parallel universe. I prefer not to think of that universe. No, it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that universe, the only guy I highly recommend. <laughs> <laughs> In that universe, they also didn't spot the 50 hertz bug last year, did they? Uh, yeah, we're not even going to go there. Yeah, well, you know, at least we've got a sense of humour. Anyway, <laughs> moving things on. <laughs> moving, moving things on swiftly. Let's go over to Russell. Russell, um, you have. Uh, quite a few coming soon reviews yes, that yes, have been there that. for um, a little bit of time. Uh, yeah, so I'll maybe you can tell us what you got coming up and, and what we can look forward to. Right, yeah, well, apolog apologies to the listeners on that one. I caught a bit of a head cold sort of earlier in the month that lasted for about three weeks. And unless I'd actually wanted to do everything listing in mono through my right ear, there wouldn't have been much point or just review subwoofers through the seat of my pants. So uh, what have we got coming up? We have got the two SVS uh, powered cylinder subs, the PC subs. Uh, one of the original darlings of the internet. Um, we've got the, the PC12 Plus, um, which is an 800 watter with a certain amount of onboard EQ. We have got the PC12 NSD, which is a slightly smaller sibling, um, no less imposing in your front room. That, those, I think, are actually going to go together in the same review because, as I say, I've, I've slacked off with illness. Uh, what else we got coming? We've got the new Paradigm Shift A2 um, active monitors. This is a new brand from our friends at Paradigm, who again we're hearing a lot about in this podcast. They've released a new brand that ostensibly really is for people who want to plug things into their iPhone, plug things into their computer desktop. They've got some speakers out, they've got some earbuds out, they're going to release some gaming headsets. I think they're actually going to release some proper um, circumoral headphones as well. Um, it, as with anything that Paradigm do, they don't do it by halves. And if the little headphones I've tried and these little monitors are anything to go by, it's going to be some really and really nice little range to look at and, and available through uh, channels other than the normal Paradigm, you know, straight up dealers. Uh, let's have a little thinky booze. What else have we got on the way? I think that's it because you did the Velodines, didn't you? So that's all out the way. Oh no, the Velodyne DD10, that's the other one that's lagged a little bit. Alright, oh, so you uh, forgot to tell us about that one. Yeah, the smaller brother of the DD15, it's uh, another little uh, nuclear pocket rocket from the Velodyne stable. That's um, That one's nearly finished, so you should hopefully see that up uh, in the coming week. Anything else you forgot to tell us about? I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yesterday um, it, was, it was banging on the desk and beer, 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 beer. A certain amount of that was indeed consumed. Uh, I must say, I didn't look as rough as some of the performers here this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and some of us don't even drink. Uh, anyway, so moving on, let's go back to the gadget show and, and some of the stuff that, that is around here at the moment. Um, Steve, the gadget show, it's, it's one of these shows that um, the mass market come to, I mean, we said mass market, mass market consumers who are maybe not up on, on the latest tech. Um, but want to see the latest and greatest, and no sign of OLED anywhere. A couple of people have mentioned that to me, actually. Phil, I've had a few people come up and say, where's OLED? Um, I was one of them. Uh, well, yeah, Mark was one of them. Is it, um, is it the next last thing? <laughs> next, the next best thing, yeah. Well, no, and that's a valid point. I mean, you think at a sort of a tech-heavy gadget show where people are meant to see new things in the pipeline, that someone would be showing OLED. Um, there's no OLED, there's no 4K, 
there's, there's, there's nothing really that's new. I mean, in fact, actually, to be honest, the closest we've got really is, is JVC and their e-shift on, um, on their X70, which they're showing, but obviously that's been seen at Bristol and Manchester and, and a few other places. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a bit of a letdown in that sense. If, that, if you're coming here for that, obviously, maybe that's just because things like OLED and 4K are still the enthusiast market and therefore yeah. they don't think it's ready for prime time with the, with the, with the, with the more mass market audience. That, that, that's, maybe, that's maybe one of the things, but you also think that like with the future tech, um, the future tech angle, why not show them the future or where TV is going or, or are they treating people that come to these shows with a little bit of contempt and, and thinking well, they're not bright enough to Maybe understand you think they're it. Getting you confused with OLED and LED. Maybe well, that's where I was going with that oh, question. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, Samsung have been releasing their TVs and calling them LED TVs. If you suddenly stick an O in the front, what's the difference? Yeah, well, it's their own fault, isn't it? I mean, the technology is completely different. I mean, they want they wanted a new marketing angle for LCD, so they call it LED. And now, and now, perhaps they don't know where to go to how to market it to the masses. Now it's OLED. How are they going to see a difference? I was speaking to a guy on the train. Uh, he was coming to the gadget show on the way down here today, and he was assuming that LED was OLED, and he, he didn't, re you know, he, he really didn't have a clue. And I, I guess that could be the case uh, for a lot of people. But in which case, the manufacturers made a rod for their own back. That's a very valid point, actually. I hadn't really thought of that until you mentioned it, Bogey. But yeah, how are they going to market OLED? Having spent a lot of money marketing LED TVs, suddenly they're going to massively. I mean, it's easy to market 4K; big numbers always sell. But OLED and explaining what it is. It's going to be interesting to see them actually do that. Most because most of the people I've been talking to on the stand, we've been talking about the relative, the different types of projectors and, and and LCD. I already already think that LED TVs are something completely separate from LCD anyway. So the confusion the confusion's clearly already out there. So I mean, do we get around that? I mean, is there any way educating the public, or or, or is it a case that, that these companies have such large marketing budgets, such large marketing campaigns that the public's always going to be swayed by that, and it doesn't matter how much education. Uh, sites like EV forums put out there for people to people to see. Well, I think I think what will swing the public is when they actually see an OLED screen in action because you know you're talking about something that's three millimeters thick and the picture is incredibly impressive. And I, and I think you know that might well be in itself enough of a thing to sell people when they go in a shop floor and think, oh my god, what's that? Um, having said that, you know we we know what it's like in, in showrooms where um, where the TED ups are appalling and the pictures are oversaturated and they're way too bright. Or the stand opposite ours. Yeah, no names, but uh, the stand opposite us. We did actually calibrate their TV for them yesterday, and then they uh, changed all settings about this morning. Which, which, goes, which goes equally for the sound as well, isn't it? Yeah, Russell did the, the sound sub, for them. I actually turned the subwoofer down so you could actually hear it nice and smoothly integrated with the music, and today it's back to boom, 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 boom. But yeah, it's a, it is interesting that a few people have, at least people have been aware of OLED enough to ask us, where is it? Yeah. So clearly there is at least some awareness out there, even amongst the mass market. Now, 4K, are, are, are we assuming that, that when you say 4K and ultra high definition that the public's going to cotton on to that pretty quickly? Because at the moment, you know, a lot of flat panels are being sold, but how many of them are actually watching HD material on their flat panel TV? Russell? I don't suspect anybody with a Skybox or, or Virgin HD do, because it's, it, it's a bit like a lot of these televisions. It's almost become the default anyway, whether you, whether you, um, I mean, uh, what, what's, the, what's the point of getting Sky HD into your house if you're not actually going to watch the Sky, Sky HD channels on it? Yeah, yeah but you see, but you see my mum's got Sky HD, and she keeps forgetting to watch yeah, the Sky sure, One version. So, so, so does my wife, but there's always, there's always one person in the family who tends to drive the technology, isn't there? And that'll be the person that changes the channel over to the HD one of it's available. In my house, that's me. My wife actually does now. She's been uh, brainwashed by me over the like, you, three years. Three years, she knows all the HD equivalent numbers now on the, on the TiVo, so it's good. But I think also the inclusion of uh, Freeview HD tuners in tellies is a, is a big plus, but they, they need to move them up the EPG a bit rather than sticking them in the 50s because people perhaps don't think to look. I think actually you'll go further than that because, and if you look on the site, you'll see our top 10 tips to your TV. A lot of people have the aspect ratio set wrong and aren't even seeing a full HD image, even when they're on an HD channel. They're seeing scale, uh, scale, a scaled image and losing some of that high-end detail. Yeah, so again, we come back to the 4K question. I mean, is the public going to be interested in ultra-high-definition TV when, at the moment, they're just getting used to HD? Well, that's a valid point, Phil. I mean, then again, they started selling HD TVs long before there was an HD source. So I guess the same um, business model is going to apply to 4K. People like big numbers. Um, it's always easy to sell a big number. Um, the question is, how long is it going to be before there's some kind of 4K content in the home, isn't it? Uh, and I mean, aside, 
I'm not aware personally of, of anything even in the pipeline at the moment. I mean, I don't no. think anybody else is. I, don't I get Jack the feeling they're going to roll out OLED before they try and hit us with 4K in a, in a big way, myself. Uh, I can, you know, Samsung and LG are coming out at the end of this year with their versions. I can see Panasonic and Sony will be, there, will be next next year. Perhaps they'll leave it another two or three years until there is actually some content they can watch um, before, before hitting us with 4K. Well, as, as always, Japan leads the way in terms of broadcast 4K with NHK. Um, who developed the technology and developed 4K and now moving on to 8K. Um, it, it, it's, it, are we getting to the point here where manufacturers are so desperate to sell us a new technology like 3D, which nobody really wanted? I mean, the public probably still don't fully understand it. The, the number of questions about passive and active 3D that we've had on this stand this week has been quite telling. But also the, the fact that when they go in and see the demo and they see 3D done properly, Everybody's coming out and saying, wow, I didn't understand that 3D was like that. Now, have the two questions. Have the manufacturers missed the opportunity to sell 3D correctly? And has that been down to a lack of content? Y yes. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is the lack of content. You know, when I was having this conversation with somebody earlier on, I think I've used this example before, there are, there are films which would actually benefit really nicely from it, you know, the, the, the ball debutant sweeping into the Great Hall at Versailles. I mean, you can just get the grandeur and the scale through 3D. But the sort of people who want to watch films like that don't actually want to put, stick a pair of glasses on their face and go watch it. The other problem we've got is, frankly, a lot of the people producing 3D, I don't think, actually understand how to do 3D to make it actually watchably pleasant. I mean, we've been using clips in there from films where they understand that 3D is about depth within the picture, not necessarily something dancing on the end of your nose all the time, which is yeah. hard to watch. Yeah, well, one of those directors is Steven Spielberg, so, you know, he knows how the camera works, he knows how the frame works. So, so yeah, I mean, what you're saying, what you're saying there is that the 3D that we're showing in the stand is done right. Exactly. And when you see it done right, you understand so it. So if you talk about the shortage of material in the first place and the fact that an even smaller proportion it's actually done in a pleasant and natural way, then it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be a pretty tough sell, isn't it? I think with 3D, there's a couple of issues. I mean, one is that the, the manufacturers pretty much force-fed the Zapolla population that weren't particularly interested to begin with. Uh, and at the stand, we've had a number of times I've had the same thing, which is, you know, do you, and people don't like wearing glasses. Do you have to wear glasses for it? Yeah, no, I don't want to see it. And then the next question they ask me is, is that glasses-free 3D TV here? And I was referring to the Toshiba um, ZL, ZL1, is it? ZL2. ZL, ZL2. Yeah, I've had about 17 yeah. queries. Now, uh, first of all, which is a 4K panel as well, of course, I've seen it, you've seen it, Phil. Doesn't work. Right? With Super 3D, it's not very good. To move your head, you lose the effect immediately. Actually, it's quite uncomfortable to watch for large periods of time. But also, as you said, Phil, there's a lot of ignorance concerning 3D in terms of passive and active, which again is a manufacturer's fault for confusing the consumer from the beginning. Uh, and the big other problem, which you've mentioned, Russell, is the 3D content's just not up to it. In a mad rush to make more money, studios have been doing 3D conversions. It's not real 3D. You know, it's not the films aren't shot to as 3D films from the start, so you don't have the kind of framing, the, the, the depth, the build-up of depth that you'd get from a native 3D movie. And people are going to see it and thinking, oh, that doesn't look very good. And therefore they are. But when they see 3D done properly, like in our demo room, with good 3D content like Happy Feet 2 or Tintin, then they appreciate just how amazing an experience it actually can be. Now, Russell, that was your first experience, proper experience of 3D at this no. show, was it? No, 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 no. I've been, I've been wandering into 3D demos at uh, the shows over the last few years. Yeah, JBS X3 at Steve's place and set up right, set up right. I mean, that that was quite pleasant. Although I still, you know, but it it still didn't feel quite as natural as what the chaps from Sim Two have managed in there, which just is 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 extraordinarily easy on the eyes. It just it does feel like you're just looking naturally into a deep box of a film. In defence of my X3, that's the Sim Two is ten times the price. <laughs> Yeah, true, but the well, technology obviously. wasn't when JVC first started it. I mean, it's already filtered down to that sort of price, and that okay, that never will because it's a three-chip DLP, and you're never going to see a three-chip DLP below what eight, nine k maybe at a More push. Than that, I'd say actually. Yeah, so it, yeah, it's a slightly moot point, but DLP does seem to lend itself naturally to 3D in a more natural way. I think it was at Bristol. We stumbled into one opto. Well, was it was it an Optoma demo? I think was it the little HD80 or HD300? an 800 quid DLP single chip projector and it was surprisingly watchable. I mean, you boys all comment on as to how accurate the thing was and how good it is in the other respects, but as a complete, you know, as somebody just says, well, we think, well, that's easy, that's not. I actually thought, uh, the penny started to drop that DLP might be what makes 3D easy to watch for me. Yeah, no, it's absolutely, we watched the HD33, uh, which is a 1,300 pound projector, 
and uh, D DLP definitely lends itself to uh, cross-talk-free 3D. And, uh, and there's no question, even that very cheap projector delivered some quite impressive 3D, didn't it? It was quite bright as well, wasn't it? I mean, it wasn't a fully light-controlled room, but the picture had some real pop and sparkle to it, even with the glasses on, so... Yeah, I mean, I don't know how well, well calibrated it was, if at all, but I was, you know, I was genuinely surprised, especially as somebody who, you know, in recent memory had what was supposed to be a good 2,000-odd pound projector. It stuffed that in every respect. Now, Mark, you're someone who um, doesn't get along with active shutter glasses. Um, so, first of all, let's talk about the demo. Did it work for you? Yeah, absolutely worked for me, although it was only 15 minutes, so I, I'd, I'd like to uh, sit in there for an hour and a half, a bit later on, if that's all right with everyone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it absolutely on did. On No, I would have been able to tell. I, I'm a perceived flicker. The minute I can put, put on active shutter glasses, usually, it, you know, however dark it is, I can feel it straight off. And that, and that, uh, oh, sorry, but that and that uh, SIM2 really didn't exhibit any whatsoever. Uh, and I didn't find my, my eyes crossing as I was trying to converge and focus in different places. As, as Russell says, it, it just felt completely natural. Um, I haven't experienced that with any television or any other projector so far, so uh, perhaps I need to get saving. Uh, you'll be saving for quite, quite some time there. Um, but you're also a fan of the passive technology. You've had a, a couple of passive TVs in recently. Is that still the case or, or, yeah, or, or do you I think... Still, I, st I still like it. I st I still, if I have to watch it, something in 3D, I will do it passively. Uh, I, won't, I, won't, I still won't go out of my way though. Exercising, doing active all over his television there. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> yeah, I, I, if I have to, if I have to do 3D, it is passive uh, at the moment for me. Um, although, as I said, with the Panasonic LCDs, I did find them considerably less flickery than anything else of. I've tried so far on the active front. That, that was one thing that was interesting for me this weekend, was to, uh, or this week indeed, because it is the weekend now, isn't it? We've been here, you lose time and space in this place, don't you? Uh, was to see the LG um, passive 3D, and actually I was quite surprised actually quite how effective that was as a system. You don't seem to notice the loss in resolution as much as you think you might. Well, I don't. I think your brain melds it together. Melds it together. It, I read it very. Fills it in with the depth yeah, perception, doesn't it? it? I think anything impressive. over five or six foot from say 15 and a 15 is telling you. You don't. You don't see the uh, the black matrix uh, with a lot. A lot of people go on about. You really can't. I've got 20/20 vision. I can see it from maybe three foot on a 15-inch screen. Uh, and I don't think there's a noticeable loss in resolution whatsoever because I think if your brain works normally it'll just join the information up and, and it looks just the same to me as, uh, as, the, uh, as the active version. So just taking a break from, uh, from the, the TV talk that we've been having here and talking about 3D and so on, we've been joined by uh, Stuart who's kindly brought the coffees over to the table where we're recording the podcast at the moment. Um, Stuart, why is AV Forums at the Gadget Show and What's the main reason for us being here? Well, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Uh, I think all the enthusiasts in the UK who are likely to find us have already found us. They're just doing a search on Google and we pop up all the time. Um, but bearing in mind that so many people have got tellies um, who aren't perhaps enthusiasts and they're not particularly interested in anything other than just putting the telly in the living room and watching it. But they still need, I think, a lot of them need some kind of help in actually getting the most out of that telly. Um, being here just helps raise our profile a little bit, lets people know, you know, that, that we exist. And we've got this brilliant leaflet, What Steve Wrote, that um, uh, has top 10 tips about how to make your TV look better. It is a bit of a tongue twister though when you're trying to give the leaflets out to get that right. But you, is this the market that AV Forums um, can benefit from and can this market benefit from AV Forums? Well, um, the more people that come to AV Forums, the better from the point of view of having a bigger diversity of people with experience uh, in, in order to be able to answer questions. I mean, you know, if somebody answers a pretty obscure question on the forums, the more people you've got there, the more likely you are that that question is going to get an answer. Um, can the forums help them? Well, yes, obviously, if you've got people who aren't even aware that their TV can look better, you know, to be able to say to them, well, just, you know, follow these few uh, the easy steps and we can pretty much guarantee that your TV can look better. I mean, what I've been saying to people today is, you know, if, if you've got a car and it's, uh, it's not particularly fuel efficient, uh, it's burning too much fuel, 
um, and it's not particularly quick, would you be interested in uh, taking 10 minutes to do a bit of tweaking under the hood in order to uh, save you money on the fuel and get it running faster? And most people are, oh yeah, of course it's obvious, um, but, but unless you know that that can be done, then, then you're not going to think twice about it. So it's nice to be able to say to people, we can make your TV, well you can make your TV look better in just a few minutes by following these simple, uh, simple steps. Of course, we also have the demo on the stand, which we've gone into in some depth in the podcast already. But I mean, generally, what's your thoughts on on what we've shown there at the stand, and how successful do you think that's been? Well, it's aspirational. I mean, when you tell people it's a hundred thousand pound home cinema, I mean, they're going to expect to be impressed, I think, um, and they are. Um, how if they can relate that to something that they can actually get themselves, um, you know? Uh, well, let's hope so. Um, you know, 3D, t 3D projection can look absolutely fantastic. We, we've seen that, that's been proved. Um, people are then, are then gonna come away thinking, oh, well, you know, how good is mine gonna look? And obviously, you know, it, it's a case of diminishing returns. Um, but I think even with, on a much more modest budget, you can get something that looks really good. I mean, you, we, we've reviewed sub two grand projectors, haven't they? Haven't we? Which was the one which was? Sub 1,000, in fact, 3D projector. Right, okay, and that looks great, doesn't it? Yeah, it was, it was incredible value for the money, uh, uh, Epson TW5900, which is, I noticed they got on sale here at one stand for £899, including two pairs of glasses. Oh, yeah, so I mean, if, if you're talking about a normal, everyday consumer that wants a big big picture and, and to impress the friends and to see good 3D, it can be done. I guess the object of our demonstration, though, is to show them how it's done correctly so they now have a reference point when they look at other 3D. Yeah, I mean, whether how much they're going to remember that because they're going to come out of that room so frazzled by the, the fantastic picture and audio quality. They're going to have to come back to the forums and get some pointers on, on how to get stuff, the stuff set up right. Because obviously, you know, you can't, you can't judge how something looks several weeks, months or years later from, from seeing a demo. But, but at least perhaps they can, uh, they can remember how exciting the experience is and know that, 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 that they can achieve something like that in their own home cinema. I'm, I mean, I remember watching Jurassic Park on Laserdisc in Richard Sound's demo room and hearing the T-Rex thunder, you know, through the forest and everything. And, 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 and that was so exciting and it made me really want to go out and get my own home cinema and then when um, I saw Star Wars again when it was re-released at the cinema and the Death Star blew up and then there was that kind of sonic boom in the, in the cinema and I thought wow I can't wait to get a home cinema that's as good as this you know with, with subwoofers aplenty so that when the Death Star blows up my shirt collar ruffles under you know it it, it, it it makes my shirt resonate you know and so it's i think it's that kind of effect that i hope it has on people it is it is it inspires them to go out and get get their own home cinema so i know you, you've got to go back to the stand and hand out some plastic bags which we've all been doing all week <laughs> my feet are saying no no more <laughs> i think we're all suffering here uh, folks i mean our legs are, are gone we've been here it's been a long week it's been a lot of hard work, Stuart, and a lot of money put into it as well from AV Forum's side of things. Um, a lot of time and effort from the Anthem guys and Sim too. Do you think it's been worth it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, definitely worth it. Um, we've learned a lot. Um, and hopefully the people who've seen us have learned a little bit about us, learned a little bit about home cinema. Um, hopefully the, uh, well, of course, we've been able to do a little bit of networking um, a few representatives of uh, AV companies in the UK have come over and congratulated us on what we've done. Uh, so hopefully we've impressed a few people there as well. Absolutely, totally worth it. Yes. And you can't walk anywhere around here without seeing a, a blue and white AV forums bag. No, no, we've had people walking up saying, um, where do we get, the, we've been wondering where we got these bags from. You know, and, 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 and of course trying to give them out now, what on earth do you say to people? Well, I like Russell's line actually, which was, which was, Here's, here's a really useful leaflet that tells you how to set your TV up and a bag to carry it in. I mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, oh, here's the most useful leaflet of the whole show. But it starts off with, when people are walking through the door, of course, it's, have a bag, you'll need it. Um, 
Now, uh, uh, the other thing that we're doing is competitions. A lot of confusion from people as well about signing up. If they're already a member of AV Forums, if they're listening to the podcast on iTunes or whatever, and they're a member of uh, AV Forums, they can still enter the competition. It's not just open to new sign-ups. Yeah, of course. It's a prize draw rather than a competition, really. Um, it's been Four of them have been set up. Uh, the Panasonic VT50, 2,400 quid. The um, uh, Oppo 500 quid Blu-ray player, um, the Samsung Dock, which is about 140 quid, and then there's the XTZ computer audio system, which I don't actually know how much it costs. Um, shame on me. But all um, forum members uh, can go to the competitions page, and um, I've made it as easy as it possibly can be. It's do you want to enter the prize draw? Yes or no? Um, so it'll be quite interesting to see how many people choose no. And. A lot of interesting things have been happening in the run-up to this show. It's been a really busy period for, for all the team at AV Forums because not only have we been designing the stand and putting the stand together, uh, but also the forums has a brand new look that everybody will have noticed now. Isn't it, isn't it cool? And it, I was just yeah, going to say that. <laughs> I was just going to say that. It is cool. It is sleek and a lot easier to find stuff, a lot more intuitive to use. The menu's been tweaked a little bit, of course, um, it, it's a learning process on our part, you know, uh, people give us feedback on, on what they think works and what doesn't, and, um, you know, we have to kind of um, evaluate that and take out the feedback as a whole, you know, and um, so the menu's been tweaked a little bit, I think it's easier to use now, um, it's, it's clearer, that's the whole point, I mean, the, there are so many forums, the, the one thing that I identified years ago is the fact that if you're browsing through a shed load of forums it can be quite intimidating sometimes you think oh my you know this is just overwhelming I can't cope with this hopefully we can present the forums in a way that that guides people so that they can they can get to the place that they want to go to easily um, but as far as the the look is concerned I mean I love it um, Dougal from Critical Media uh, is the principal designer behind it uh, and it's great I think it's really nice and the design's been reflected on the stand so everything's coherent. You know, there's, a, there's, a, there's a theme that's running through the whole lot. And anybody who's lucky enough to pick up uh, an AV Forums coaster this week uh, will have, be reminded of that design on their desk every time that they slump into their hands. Now that was a coaster, not a toaster. That's quite a good idea actually, <laughs> AV Forums toaster. It has AVF burnt into it when it can pop oh out. yeah cool idea <laughs> yeah AVF Next branded toast <laughs> so guys uh, let's just wrap this podcast up for, for this month um, we've gone off on quite a few tangents the main one being the gadget so live um, it's been quite a good experience we've all gone together again um, first time in quite a while um, just your final thoughts on what you've seen of this of the stand for can some... I do it first because I've yeah. got to go hand some bags out <coughs> Yeah, of course you can. It was brilliant. See you later, guys. <laughs> uh, so, Mark, uh, what do you think of the show, the type of people that, that have been coming along, asking questions, that kind of thing? Do, do you think AV Forums offers them something something new, something that, a new resource? Yeah, of course. I mean, most of the forum members are a pretty friendly bunch, and, and all sorts of questions get fielded. So, provided people are quite happy to go in and sign up, and even I mean, I've only asked some very simple queries, just sort of simple setup queries, but people have been struggling for weeks and months with, and they didn't realise it was just a, you know a simple solution. They could just sign up onto the forum, ask the question, it'd probably be answered within 20 minutes, and then and they'll be off and running. Yeah, it's definitely got value, and the new design is a lot simpler to use and nicer to look at, and far less intimidating. Uh, and, and out of the stand, yeah, I think it's done a stunning job. We were all involved, uh, fantastic. Yeah, no, I've really enjoyed it. It's been nice. It's been nice meeting a uh, a bigger cross section of a uh, society than you normally meet at an AV uh, an AV show or even a straight hi-fi show. Um, the only real negative to come out of the whole weekend is that I really do have a pathological hate of Adele now. Yeah, we we'll have to explain that one, don't we? None, none of us will ever listen to Adele ever ever again. Ever again. <laughs> if I see her in the street, I may even hit her. <laughs> I, there is only so many times you can hear the same track over and over and over and over and over. Not just that, we had to put up with a over cockney sparrowed sort. We're going, thank you for making my dreams come true. <laughs> Every time they kept playing it, basically, just so you understand it, the stand opposite were playing her live at Albert Hall video over and over again. And, um, and over. Yeah. And over. And over. <laughs>
and over. It's not on now. It's, it's one of nearly three no, minutes no, I have. Th this is the other one that's on now. If, yeah. if people take can that, by the way, is the other one you can probably hear in the background. In the background it is. Take that. take that, Adele, and you two. And, well, you're uh, take that convert now, Steve. I'm, I, I'm developing Stockholm Syndrome, where <laughs> people who get kidnapped have a relationship with their kidnappers. I'm starting to become a massive fan of Take That. And you know what? They did a damn good show. I have developed that similar thing. If I saw Bono in the street, I'd probably hit him as well. But to be I fair, would have hit him before. hit him before the show. <laughs> now I'll actually shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so before we uh, label anybody else, yeah, my overriding memories of the show is it, it, it has been you know six days is a, quite a long. Oh, I've got another one to add to it actually. Breaking the room with Joe Bonamassa this morning. Oh yeah, that was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> we, we obviously when the stand was empty and, and the venues closed to the public, we all go into the home cinema and we crank it up. <laughs> we were watching Tron Legacy. And you can see the walls buckling. There's so much space in that room. <laughs> no, that's an extra gap around the ceiling and the wall. Where it has yeah. actually slightly. The ceiling was off. coming off. Actually, the <laughs> ceiling actually came off of the demo room. We put but, it up so high. But of course, guys, and, and like this stand opposite us, who've been torturing us with Adele and take that and so on, we had the the good heart to put our demo in a room that wouldn't disturb other people on on the show floor and. Uh, you know, that's just the nice guys that we are at AV4. Actually, full credit, full credit to designers because, um, and to Sim2 because it's loud in there and you really can't hear it outside. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, that's, and when you're in there, you really can't hear Take That and Adele when you're inside. So, you know, it's not easy to build an almost soundproof room on a show floor in a couple of days. And, and they did an absolutely amazing job. Yeah, I, mean, I can't believe, I can't believe it. Those walls really are a couple of inches thick and that is it, isn't it? Mm. Uh, I'll be asking some questions about that for my own home theatre to build when I try and build a, a room in, a room inside a room to try and insulate it because that is absolutely phenomenal the amount of insulation that provides. But uh, yeah, at the end of it, it's, it's been fun, it's been exhausting, uh, but I should be pepped up on Monday when uh, the Sony VW1000 arrives for review. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. So you've done a full week and you're now going to do another full week because that's got to go back within the week. Yeah, I've only got uh, a week to do or five day five days. So. Um, it's going to be a bit of a rush job, but uh, but I am genuinely excited about getting my hands on that in in my own home cinema. Well, we've uh, we've run out of time, unfortunately. That that is uh, just over the hour mark now, um, and we better get back to the stand to hand out more plastic bags and uh, to, to Adele. So we got to get back to the stand, uh, but thanks for listening. We will be back again with more podcasts. As you know, we have uh, the podcast extra on the twenty eighth of this month. Uh, then on the 7th of next month is Movies Podcast, 14th is the Games Podcast, and we'll be back again on the 21st of next month with another home cinema podcast where I have another feeling that we will be talking about 4K projectors, Steve, and how well it's I definitely up. will be. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's it from the Gadget Show Live. I hope you've enjoyed listening, and uh, we will see you again very soon. The AV Podcast was presented by Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton, and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.